Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points, and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast. Happy Easter. We're ahead of the uh, Rivals round, which is what Super League are billing the uh, Thursday and Good Friday games. I'm James Gordon, joined by Josh McAllister. Josh, you've been in amongst the Super League clubs this week as they build up to Rivals round. Um, Always good games on Good Friday particularly, big crowds. Um, What are you looking forward to seeing this weekend? Yeah. Plenty of action ahead, uh, as you say. It's uh, first versus second, I think, on Friday at the Totally Wicked Stadium, Wigan versus St. Helens. We've had a bit of a social media debate today on LoveRubbleLeague.com's Facebook because Jordan Abdul said Hull's the biggest derby. Now, obviously, you can imagine every comment says Wigan and Saints is the biggest derby. So we're at that point again in the year where we, we discuss which is the biggest derby. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. I mean, I think the, the old average is obviously... the. The word, the term Derby comes from St. Helens versus Wigan in the first place, doesn't it? I think that's where it was coined from, the Earl of Derby. So um, I think St. Helens and Wigan will always probably come out on top in terms of a technicality. Um, I think, you know, I think in terms of rivalry at the top of the game, I guess St. Helens and Wigan have always, or certainly in the, in the modern area, they've both been at the top. But, you know, I think Hull... Um, you know, as one city and being divided as they are, I think that's a massive rivalry. And you know, some people might call that a true derby because it's in the same in the same city. Si- city. Yeah. It doesn't matter which that. one you think's better. They both sold out, aren't they? They're going to be good game. They're going to yeah. be hopefully exciting games. They're both on TV, so yeah. it doesn't matter which one you think bigger. If you think the whole one's bigger or you think the Saints Wigan, it doesn't matter. Just enjoy, uh, enjoy the two games and. I suppose it'll be interesting to see um, 
it's going to be interesting to see where Wigan are at in terms of being able to compete with St. Helens. St. Helens clearly, you know, probably head and shoulders above everybody else. You know, the cup win against Catalan last week probably emphasised that point. Um, and Wigan have been a bit... They've not been firing on all cylinders, have they? They've obviously been winning games, but not necessarily winning games, you know, particularly excitingly. Or excitingly is probably a bit harsh, but not convincingly, I should say. Um, but then at the same time, there feels to be a lot more encouragement and excitement around Matt Pete and his style. Yeah, that style at the minute being three fullbacks on the pitch at once. Sakardic, we've mentioned this a couple of times. Bevan French, Jay Field. You're right. Saint Helens are the leading. The leading team, they've got the leading pack, they've got probably arguably the best bat line. They're the team to beat. This looks like the most likely Wigan side to beat St. Helens the past couple of years. I'm not sure Adrian Lamb's Wigan, you know, no offence to him. But <coughs> it was almost the same players, but they never looked likely to beat St. Helens. This will be the closest they've got in a few years and with a, a sold out away crowd backing them on. It, we could be in for a good game. Uh, the, Kevin Brown said on, on the BBC podcast last week that... Um, Wigan could revolutionise the game with, well, he actually said they could blow it to bits. Um, with obviously this, obviously they've got Jay Field and, and Bevan French. You know, Hardacre, it seems strange to me that Hardacre, well, not strange, but it's mad to think that Hardacre's in and he's probably third choice fullback, you know, because I think there's probably, you know, Hardacre would probably be the starting fullback in, in maybe half the Super League teams, you know. Um, maybe even at least half the Super League teams and you know as Kevin Brown was making the point if Wigan could find a way they could almost, they've got two you know top class players there if they could find a way of playing them in a, in a sort of new system where you operate with two fullbacks or you know something like that I, I don't I mean I don't know clearly professional players know much greater than me I don't know how that would all, you know, I don't know how that would all work. It'd be a bold move, wouldn't it, from Wigan to do something really out of the ordinary? Is it going to be a case of they just stick field at fullback and French play standoff? How do you think they're going to find the solution? With a, a constant headache, I think for Pete, with them all being all back from injury now, Ben French being back from injury, I think he's just going to have a constant headache every week because you've got to put all three on the pitch. Uh, they, although they're not the first sort, of, they may be the first sort of club in recent years to. But we always see it in New South Wales. They have Tom Trevojevic at fullback, Latrell Mitchell, uh, and James Tedesco. Or Tom Trevojevic sometimes plays as centre. So I, I'd be interested. I've always been interested to see how Bevan French would go at centre. I think he's Mac. He's rather wasted on the wing. So it'd be good to get his hands on the ball and try and maybe put him into that centre spot. I suppose. So, so just to elaborate a little bit on what Kevin Brown was was getting at is is he sort of said you could you you effectively put one of them on the wing in defence. So you know Bevan French, for instance, might defend on the wing in defence. But what he's suggesting is that when you're then attacking, you effectively drop a loose one of them becomes a loose forward if you like, and you almost operate with. I guess you'd have the two, you know, you have a halfback on either side and a fullback on either side almost. Um, you know, we often see the fullbacks running from side to side, don't we? Maybe they have a half of a pitch each, and then effectively by losing that middle, if you like, everyone just has to attack a bit wider. So, you know, effectively, you, you know, instead of having that spare loose forward in the middle of the attack, that becomes the extra fullback. You. You, you, I suppose on, you'd lose a winger on one side, wouldn't you? So that'd have to be a consideration. But it might work for Wigan with sort of Willie Ice. You know, you'd make, if you had Jake Bibby, for instance, at centre, he'd defend on, he'd attack on the wing, 
Isa, who would be your second row, would would go out and attack in the centres, and then whoever you lose forward was, let's say it was John Bateman, he would effectively attack in the second row and do it that way. And that could be interesting to see if they can get that ticking, because I would imagine that in terms of tactical play, you can play around with your attack as much as you want. Like it doesn't matter, you know. In, in theory, you could have thirteen fullbacks, you know, in an attack. But it's your defence, isn't it? That's the key, the key challenge with that. You know, clearly you couldn't you couldn't play Bevan French at loose forward. Yeah, in the middle. Though. You know, yeah, you, you could play him there as the thirteen for the attack, or name him in the thirteen for the attack. But obviously, he wouldn't be able to defend there. So you know that that. Theory from Kevin Brown's interesting. I don't know if Kevin Brown fancies being a coach. Maybe he might sign two fullbacks one day. I still think there's a little bit of salary cap mismanagement going on there at Wigan. I still think it's probably a bit strict. You know, and it's probably a bit. I want to say poor sounds a bit negative, but it's mad that they've got to a point where they've got three really good fullbacks who are obviously on really good money. At, you know, and they they're still trying to shoe on them in. Clearly, Field came over. They weren't sure maybe where he was going to play. French probably the same. You know, they probably didn't expect him to to dominate a full. I think he had number six, didn't he, yeah, in his I think first Field, year? Yeah, Field had number six as well his first year. So they both brought over thinking they'd go in the halfbacks and maybe give Tom Lula a rest, or even thinking Tom Lula was going to retire this year. Yeah, well, we'll see. Anyway, so Wigan, Wigan play Saints. Um, Hull, Hull KR play Hull FC as as we've already discussed Thursday. It, the weekend starts with Warrington against Salford, um, and Warrington obviously had the week off because they were out of the cup. They need to probably put in a bit of a statement performance in front of their home fans who are getting increasingly disillusioned, and they'll have to do it without George Williams. Yeah, was just on COVID power. I believe they had a bit of a weekend away in York uh, last weekend, a bit of a restart. I think Matt Turner said Billy Magulia said that he'd do it on the court. It's a bit long winded, but yeah. So, so they'll be looking to maybe start afresh, forget about the, the past five games, the five-game loser streak they're on, but you're right, they'll have to do it without George Williams and Oliver Holmes. Uh, Key Gio probably to be missing for them. Powell, 50-50, kind of hoping Williams might be back Monday, but it's, he wasn't entirely sure they might be back the week after. But this weekend, Jordan Abdul said it, this weekend is, is important because that's, that's four points in the space of three games, which it could, you know, for Warrington terms, they've only done six points now. So if they get four in the, in the sake of such a short period of time, it's, it could be massive. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a blow for for Warrington losing Williams. I mean, I presume Riley Dean maybe will will stand in there. I'm not too sure, but that might help if Widdit, if Gareth Widdit says right, I'm gonna grab this by the the scruff of the neck. I, I was at the the whole KR Warrington game and, and Warrington were, were pretty bad, um, but I actually did think that Darrell Powell, you know, I, I I was in the press conference afterwards and I I, I quite liked what Darrell Powell had to say and I think he acknowledges that they have got problems and it is going to take a bit of time to sort to sort of unravel it and we're seeing it with Ian Watson at Huddersfield. You know, he went in. Um, Huddersfield last season probably didn't do as well as people would have expected but that was because clearly the job that there was that big that he needed to you know he needed a bit of time to put his stamp on it to obviously get his own players in the differences with Daryl Powell at Warrington compared to say Ian Watson at Huddersfield is that with all due respect to Huddersfield the expectation isn't as great so although Huddersfield didn't do as well last season no one was really chipping away at them for not doing well whereas clearly Warrington the fans are expecting success and everyone expects them to be at the top. So, you know, they almost 
if Daryl Powell to have, was to have a year like Ian Watts had at Huddersfield last year, he'd get loads of criticism. But ultimately, that's what's got to happen for Warrington to get to where they need to. They've got a load of off-contract players um, at the end of this season. They've got Salford at home, which, again, with all due respect to Salford, that you would look at that from a Warrington point of view as a, as a home banker. They've got to try and win... Um, you know, convincingly there, and then they've got Hull on Easter Monday, Hull away, which that's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one, but like you say, Josh, them two wins in four days, all of a sudden you forget about losing five in a row. You've got ten points on the board. They would probably be up what four, fifth in the league. Yeah, top six. You know, if if they got that, so um, big weekend for for Warrington, just to maybe almost just to to quell this bit of fan apathy that that's, that they've got going on. Everyone knows they need they need a you know probably a new prop, but there's no room on the salary cap. It's not you know in the salary cap sport, there's no quick fixes. You've got to manage it, and they know they've got the opportunities at the end of the year to move players on. Um, there's a lot going on, so um, big game that one. There's there's three on Thursday, isn't there? Wakefield, Casford as well, and then Leeds versus Huddersfield. Um, we should mention that um, speaking of Warrington props or former Warrington prop at least, Chris Hill. He's on the podcast this week. Um, he, he follows our little chimwag here. He's caught up with George Riley. It's actually Chris Hill's 500th career appearance. And speaking of Ian Watson, he Chris Hill suggests in the podcast, don't want to spoil it, Josh, but he says that he thinks Ian Watson could get a head coach role in the NRL. Yeah, well-respected coach. He probably wants to win something at Huddersfield or would like to, or NRL clubs will probably want to see some sort of success before that opportunity ever came across. I mean, do you think, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I wonder whether Leeds and Warrington maybe regret not trying to get in free and Watson. Now, if you remember, it was a bit of a shock, wasn't it, when Watson left Salford and went to Huddersfield. There was a lot of pressure around Steve Price at Warrington at the time. Obviously, they'd been knocked out of the playoffs. He only had one year left on his deal. And a lot of Warrington fans thought that they should go in for Watson to replace him. Obviously, they missed the boat because they decided we were going to stick with Steve Price for another year and then Huddersfield would come in. Leeds as well had Richard Agar. You know, maybe Leeds never never fancied Ian Watson. I don't know. But I do wonder whether now those two clubs... I, I think Darrell Powell will do the job at Warrington you know, no question. But I do wonder whether both of those clubs are sort of looking at the way Ian Watson's shaping this Huddersfield team and thinking, you know, maybe 18 months ago we should have gone in there. You know, he got he got Salford to the Challenge Cup final. Of course, Leeds had won the Challenge Cup against Salford, so you know it'd have been harsh maybe to get rid of Vega. But I do wonder whether they think. Hmm, Maybe 18 months ago, in hindsight, we should maybe have gone in for him. Leeds especially, because they're still without a head coach at the minute, aren't they? Gary Hevington's back from his search in Australia now, and I saw reports that he's not he's come back without a head coach, and now he's going to start interviewing European-based coaches, so I don't know exactly what that means. If it's European-based coaches, I don't know why it's not just England or UK, but we could see how that turns out. But, yeah, as a Leeds, as, as Leeds they're a bit... I don't, they're a bit stuck, aren't they? So yeah, they probably could be. And it, it seemed to think it seemed to be that Richard Agar was always going to be eventually put up as this head of rugby. So I think that eighteen months ago, you're right. Maybe they should have thought about it and planned ahead. And it's a tough game for for Leeds this week, as we say at home to Huddersfield. Probably, you know, almost one of the worst games you could probably get. Really, in terms of they're at home, people would always expect Leeds to win the home games, but Huddersfield, you know, probably in the top three or four teams in the league at the moment. 
if they turn them over, you know, Leeds are already in crisis. I think I've seen someone was trying to work out it's the worst start to a season since 1800 and something if they lose and um, all of that going on. The A big game, the first French derby uh, between Catalan and there's another derby. I wonder if well, we've had any French people commenting on that. I mean, <laughs> um, what the biggest derby is. But another one to add to the mix, Catalan against Toulouse is the Sky game on Thursday night. Good to have that because usually I think Huddersfield play Catalan only in this sort of derby round which is you know far from that really so it's good that two French sides will go against each other yeah I mean look if you look at them fixtures uh, the only way you could make it better and obviously I would say this is if Widnes were in instead of Salford and you had Warrington against Widnes I think of course, yeah, you'd, you'd almost derby. have a you'd almost have a full house of uh, of local derbies then if um, if you had that and you, you know live, you lived in the past uh, yeah yeah, yeah maybe the, the, the chances of witness getting in to replace Salford are remote to <laughs> very remote um so that's the that's the the weekend um obviously the good friday against Hull Car Hull and Sailing's Wigan and then they all turn around for Monday um the six on Monday Casford versus Leeds which is you know a big I think. I mean, that would have been a. That was almost like a when we last. It feels like ages since the last Super League games. But like that almost was looking like a relegation four pointer. But well, Casford beat Toulouse fairly comfortably, didn't they? That's two important games for Castleford because wait, is it Wakefield yeah, on Wakefield. Friday? And obviously, that these clubs at the minute look like they look like Toulouse might be at the bottom, and then then these what kind of clubs Castleford, Wakefield, they won't really want to be at the second bottom, will they? So, especially Leeds as well, the way they're going. So, that's a big four points for Castleford. Yeah, Castleford Leeds, Huddersfield, St. Helens, um, which is an interesting one because, of course, St. Helens will be coming off the back of what's usually a brutal match against Wigan and high tempered. Huddersfield will get the extra day's rest. Huddersfield at home, that might be a potential, not upset, but you know, you could be looking at Huddersfield. I wouldn't be surprised if Huddersfield turned St. Helens over. Um, Salford, Catalan. Toulouse Hull KR is an interesting one for sort of them reasons. Is Hull KR are playing the Hull Derby on Friday? It'd be a, a massive, you know, occasion. High, high powered, high tempered probably. And then they've got to travel to France for Monday. That might well be a game that Toulouse look at and think, could we get Hull KR? You know, when they're a bit not cold, but they're a bit battered and bruised. It will be, a, and without key man Michael Lewis, who's been ruled out for I think two months, four four weeks, four to. Four to eight weeks, is four it? Four to eight weeks, yeah. yeah. Four to eight they, weeks, obviously they'll be hoping for, but that's two. That's a key man missing for them. And especially when you consider as well, Toulouse have had these two weekends off because they've not been in the Challenge Cup. So they've had two of the last, what, three or four weekends off, so they'll be fresher. Even though they play Catalan on a Thursday, they'll be fresher. And for me, if Toulouse, if Toulouse have got any hope of staying up, I think they've got to win on Monday. I know it's a, a bit early to say that, but when you look that they've lost... You know, they've lost to Casper, they've lost to Wakefield, they've lost to Salford. Hull Care won't be anywhere near the bottom. But I think if you look at the context of that match in Toulouse on Easter Monday, Hull Care backing up three days from the Hull Derby, I think Toulouse have got to be looking at this thinking, we need to win this game if we're going to get enough points to stay up. Um, Wigan Wakefield and then Hull Warrington's on Sky, I think. I, I think I'm doing that match actually. Hull Warrington on Monday, it'll be a lovely drive back. Um, there is championship games on Good Friday, or some of them are on Good Friday at least. Uh, Witness Lee, we won't talk about that. Featherstone Barrow, Barrow off, coming off a great week, win last week away at um, Bradford, 23-22, Jared Samet drop goal. Barrow won five, drawn one out of their seven. Um, 
they've had a really good start. They've had a really good start to the season. Um, I do. I just wonder, can they keep it up? You know, clearly the top two will be the top two. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But you're looking at Barrow first season up from League One into the Championship. The playoffs must now. They must now be seriously thinking. We could probably do this. We could probably get top six. You'd say so. I think it's first versus third, isn't it? Featherstone and Barrow. I think Barrow went under the radar a little bit ahead of the season. I don't think there was a big talk about them, but they, they really recruited well. I think they brought Josh Wood from, from Wakefield. Danny Langtree came in from Oldham. Um, they got Jared Samet, obviously an experienced player who kicked the winning drop goal. I think they recruited really smartly and really well. Then they've got a couple of youngsters in the likes of Charlie Emsley in their squad as well. Scott International, I'll mention that for Drew if he, if he listens. He'll, he'll love a bit of that. So I think they've recruited really well, and that they've got. If someone misses out, they've got someone strong to come and replace in that. And that's thirteen, seventeen. I think you know. If, I think if they the third now, I think it would be a surprise if they finished the season in third. With you know the top two is the top two. You said they're going to miss Hakim Maludi, who's got an eight match ban for um, it was a bit of a late. Sh- well, it wasn't even a late shot. It was a bit of an off the ball shot, and then he tried to pick up the injured man off the floor. There was a bit of fuss there. There, there was a bit of a concern. I think internally that he might get more than eight. So he's he's been banned for eight matches. They brought Jack Croft in from Wakefield, who had a good debut for them last week. Um, they've got Morgan Escare, I believe, as well, who's who's on sort of a, on loan from Salford. He didn't play last week uh, due to a paperwork mix-up at Salford. But I think Escare is probably an example of that recruitment that that you're saying, Josh. Is that Barrow are in a position where when they know they need a player, they've almost they're getting the the almost rolling the sleeves up and getting the job done. They're finding the players that they need to to try and boost them. So it'd be interesting to see how close they can push Featherstone on Friday. Batley Dewsbury is a derby, so I might think that's the biggest derby, Josh. <laughs> they might, and and, and sure they'd be they'd be well entitled to think that. I think um, Batley Dewsbury. I'm sure. It, well, it's certainly the biggest derby for everyone who lives in Batley and Dewsbury. Um, Bradford against Halifax, which. Is a York West Yorkshire derby, I suppose. We're, we're clutching at straws a little bit there. Um, the Bradford fans will probably say that I should have said that um, they should be in Super League instead of Huddersfield to make it Leeds Bradford. Um, so I'll just mention that. Um, and then Sheffield against London Broncos, which I don't know whether you've seen where this match is, Josh. Actually, because that this game was meant to be Sheffield's first home game at the Olympic Legacy Park, um, but it's not ready. As yet, so I presume they're playing it on the road somewhere, but I haven't seen. No, well, I haven't is seen it at Doncaster potentially? I don't know. That's where they usually um, go to. We so probably yeah. should have researched it before we talked about it, but never mind. You um, uh, there's also derbies in League One: Rochdale against Oldham, yes. which um, which is well, it's quite a fierce derby. Probably understated these days, um, but Oldham are back in the town now and. Um, yeah, that's three o'clock in League One. Hunslet Keithley is another one. That's another Yorkshire derby. But then we have Yorkshire derbies every week if we're going to call them that. Um, Saturday is York against Newcastle in the Championship, and then Doncaster against Cornwall. That's definitely not a derby. That one, Josh. Um, but Cornwall, who had their first game last week, we'll talk about that. This uh, first home game last week, we'll talk about that in a month. There at Doncaster. That is live on the Our League app. Doncaster Cornwall at one o'clock, and then straight after at two thirty, Josh. Big game this one. National Conference League, Premier Division, Wathbrow Hornets against Egremont Rangers. That's sort of, that's a Cumbrian derby, that one. Um the uh, the no- National Conference League announced a deal to show to stream ten live games. So if you uh, if you stuck things to do on Saturday, there's plenty of um, 
live rugby league to watch. You've got the NRL in the morning, Doncaster against Cornwall, Cornwall and Wathbrow against Egremont, Belting. Easter Sunday, um, I don't know whether they, cel- they don't celebrate Easter in Coventry, Josh, I'm not too sure, but Midland Hurricanes are playing London Scholars and Swinton are playing North Wales Crusaders. Um, and then Whitehaven play Workington, that's in Championship, that is the Monday night rugby league game on Sunday night. Are you with that? Seven o'clock. Yeah. You're, are you on, Josh? Uh, no, I think Drew before. Drew's on that one. Yeah. Um, Whitehaven worked a big derby, but that'd be good. Everyone can watch a, a, a proper Cumbrian derby there between Whitehaven and Workington. The, any, um, any idea why it's so late? Seven o'clock on o'clock Sunday. Sunday. Um, I suppose I don't know. It's a very good point, Josh. I guess. I suppose TV. I don't know if the TV's got clearly that. That's replacing what would normally be a Monday night game. Um, I don't know. Um, Maybe we'll have to ask Mr. Premier Sports about that. But why haven't worked in? Why haven't worked in still without any wins, any points this season? Why even, of course, got to the playoffs last season, and they're probably why even are probably the team that gives everyone in that in the championship hope that actually, if you get on a bit of a run, you can get to the playoffs. And I speak to someone yesterday, and, and ultimately, if you look at those teams, you know. Unfortunately, works and are struggling a little bit. They they could do with getting off the board. Um, from you were talking about Barrow. From Barrow down, I think you could almost make a. You'd be very hard pressed to pick the four teams out of the rest of the championship that would make the playoffs. I think Workington. I think you probably say uh, probably maybe you'd rule them out. London Broncos. Be I've had a, they've, been they've, had, they? they've been struggling, but they have started recruiting a little bit. Dane Chisholm's gone down there. Um, you know whether we'll see any change there. You know, for me, I think Jewsby London Workton will probably be the bottom three. But I still think that if then teams can get on that on a run of form, that if you look at you know you're looking at Bar- it's currently Barrow York, Widnes, Bradford, Newcastle, Batley, Sheffield, Halifax, Whitehaven. It's very deep that championship. It's very hard to say which four of those clubs are going to to get the top six at the end of the year. Yeah, strong competition and each team will have their own argument, you know, Newcastle Thunder full time, they'll eventually want to start being up there. Halifax recruited really well, they didn't want to be underdogs this year, they said ahead of the season, they'll want to be up there. Witness started off really well, gone off a little bit in recent weeks, sorry we won't talk about that, sorry. Sorry, understatement that, Josh, yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, you are. Batley again, Batley's a tough place to go to, again, strong strong team, Batley out. Yeah, and you know Sheffield have actually had a decent season. They've won three out of six. But yeah, bear in mind that they've played all their games away. Yeah, so, so if if they can get home games. yeah, if they can if they can turn their new stadium into a bit of a fortress, they, they've got a lot of home games to catch up um, to catch up on of Sheffield. So um, that might well be of benefit to them. Um, let's see then York as well York yeah York another one up there and, and I think York this year look a lot better than they did last year um, you know still got question marks over over them a little bit but I think they look a lot stronger than they did um, last year so if you're going to a game this weekend do enjoy it um, try not to get into a what's the biggest derby debate Um <laughs> Before we go on, um, I like the, like the debate. Oh, yeah, you like the debate, yeah. yeah, yeah. Be- before we go on and uh, listen to George Riley catching up with Chris Hill for a belting podcast, he talks about all sorts: Sean Wayne, England, uh, Ian Watson, Warrington, um, lots in that one. We'll go through this week's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here's the good, the bad, and the ugly from the past week. 
The good Josh this week, Cornwall. First home game, crowd was just under 1,500, which is a, you know, a positive start. I don't know much more about it than that. They, they lost um, 60 points to 14 against Midlands Hurricanes. I suppose the worry for Cornwall is is that yeah, they got 1,500 on first, the first game, but they're going to need to become a lot more competitive if those people are going to come back. And I think that's a problem the expansion teams do have, don't they, is that... People want to watch a winning side, don't they? Yeah, and even not just like, not necessarily just a winning side, but one that's competitive. You don't want to be watching your team getting trounced every week. And that has been, you know, if you look at traditionally the problem in League One um, over the years, you've had that problem where... You know how are you? Gonna, you need to build a fan base, don't you, to be successful? How can you build a fan base up if you're getting absolutely hammered every week? And um, that's one of the challenges. But still, a, a nice story that one. Yeah, and I think it was. I think they got a little cameo on BBC. Uh, cameras were there. As you say, a big crowd was there. So, uh, wishing them all the all the best in the expansion year this year. Yeah, you know, and it looks, you know, it looks like. It'd be interesting to see what happens when you know Midlands. You know Midlands are probably an example of one of those teams that have they've been through this stage. They've been through the stage where you were struggling at the bottom, but eventually now they're turning into a team that will probably win. You know they've they've certainly won a few games last year against the traditional Heartlands teams, and they're sort of getting to a point where they might feel like they can get to the playoffs um, these days. It's just how. You know, we see it with West Wales. West Wales aren't really showing any signs of following that path from Coventry. London Scholars had a couple of seasons a few years ago where they were doing a lot better, but they seem to have gone backwards a little bit. And, of course, it doesn't help the Broncos are part-time um, for them. I suppose they're the games that Cornwall have got to be targeting. The West Wales and the, the London Scholars games is ones they can win. Yeah, at the, at the bottom end... Look, if they if they did finish at the bottom, it's the first season, isn't it? They recruited players from the amateur games. They recruited rugby union players. If they finish at the bottom, they finish at the bottom. But I think they'll they'll have a, they'll have a, a time scale where they want to be. They don't want to be finishing bottom every year for the next five years. If they finish at the bottom this year, then I think I don't think it will be coming to any any surprises. If they can just as you say build that sort of fan base, build build solid foundations, and see what the recruitment is like next year. See if they retain parts of the team. I think a, a strong League One and Championship side retains most of their team. I don't think changing your team every season, we see it at Leeds, they recruit well, that's how they do well. But changing your team every year is not a brilliant thing. Swinton are doing so well in League One because they, they were relegated from Championship, but they kept most of their key players, and now they're, I think the three from three scored over 200 points. Yeah, I think um, you know clearly one of the challenges you've got as an expansion team, part-time players, is that the, the pool is so small. Or, or, or probably in Cornwall's case, non-existent. You know, you can't, you can't hide away from the fact that there'll be no, you know, there's, there's, there won't be very many people in Cornwall that have got full-time jobs that want to play rugby league on a part-time basis. But that also makes it difficult because if if you want to get to a standard to recruit someone from the north, you'd have to make them full-time or get them a job or whatever. And obviously, it's a big. You know, a big change for someone to to move down. It's not the same as say Toronto, where it was like, well, we sign a full time players, we'll give you a full time wage, you can move over here, and we'll we'll blitz the leagues. It's a very different um, path or journey that that Cornwall are on. But positive nonetheless to get fifteen hundred. The bad 
this week. Uh, you may have seen uh, Francis Maloney, former... We played for 10 clubs, actually, but Castleford, Salford, Leeds, Warrington. Um, he has joined, or he is part of 75 former professional players that are taking action against the RFL. Now, this story's been brewing a little while. Um, I think it first came out in October, uh, but Maloney did a piece in The Times, uh, or was interviewed in The Times this week, um, about the, infa- the impact of on him he, he was diagnosed with early onset dementia um he actually said that he he recently thought about killing himself massive um repercussions on um for the game and and obviously we've seen a lot of changes you know obviously everyone wishes francis maloney all the best and there's a few players who are from from the past who are a part of this group action which effectively well negligence by the RFL for failing to protect them from the risks caused by concussion um, we've talked about this a few times um, Josh but I, th- I just want to read this quote from the lawyer um, if I can if I can find it is is he basically said that um, the players the majority of the players and that they represent they love the game they don't want to see it harmed in any way they just want to make it safer so current and future generations don't end up like them so there's a massive fear that the financial implications of this case is going to have a you know could potentially kill off rugby league but hopefully if it it helps shape whatever it's going to shape in terms of the safety and concussion hopefully that's the positive ending for um for the game and and hopefully the players that have been impacted from the past and you know become happy if you like with the outcome which is exactly why we've seen so many changes this year already is because the game doesn't want doesn't want negative impacts on players any longer that's why we've seen such a a shutdown of high contacts foul play moving a player while they're injured they're doing everything they can to make the game which is you know a tough game you're gonna get knocks, but they're doing everything to prevent you know extra harm that you can that can cause, especially with the the head knocks and the high shots. Yeah, so um, that's the bad. The ugly this week: West Wales four, Oldham a hundred. Or was it the other way around? I can't remember. But West Wales real tough for them. Touched a bit on it early with Cornwall. He's, they just don't seem to be making any any progress. They're almost ripping up the squad every year. New coach every year and. I'm I'm a massive advocate for having. I think there should be as many teams as possibly wants to play. But you just wonder how can they, what can they do to try and move forward? Or maybe it's a case of we have to let them lose a hundred points to four or, or whatever score, and they keep going. And as long as they keep going, then at some point they're gonna try and progress I suppose not everyone you know not everyone's going to be a, become a St Helens you still need teams to make up the leagues and, and maybe West Wales deserve credit for keeping on going uh, you know they've not, not fulfilled any fixtures they, they're keeping on going and hopefully in 5, 10, 15 years they'll look back and think yeah we had to fight through that you know Gateshead went through it Gateshead we're, we're, get, we're getting back but it must be tough yeah, and we mentioned earlier about retaining key players. I think West Wales's best players ended up joining Hunslet, I think. Mm. So the big challenge there is your players, that are the best players, then become unsettled and losing 100 points, 50 points, 40 points, and then want to go to a different team and start competing. The, the quicker your team competes and challenges, the more likely your key players or your players are 
are to stay, which again I think is the key to success. Yeah, I think it's interesting actually. I think London London Broncos have probably been in the same boat as you look at some of the players that have moved north and you think, oh, if London Broncos can't keep them players playing part-time for them and instead they're going to go and play part-time at Newcastle or maybe, you know, obviously they've got a bit of a hybrid full-time at Newcastle, but if London Broncos can't persuade them players to stay, then how are they ever going to be able to build a competitive enough team to to make it fall but hopefully West Wales you know I'll tell you what that West Wales Cornwall game will be a will be a humdinger I'm sure because um, they'll both of those teams will be looking at that as an opportunity to to get the monkey off the back that's this week's the good the bad and the ugly stay tuned on the podcast because George Riley is caught up with Huddersfield prop Chris Hill Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Well, welcome to The Big Interview, a, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's biggest names. And this week's guest is a man in terrific form at the moment in England's international, enjoying a new lease of life, it seems, at the Huddersfield Giants after leaving the Warrington Wolves. Chris Hill, great to have you on. Thanks for your time. How are you doing? No problem. You? All, all good yourself? Yeah, yeah, really well. Um, Very good. And you seem to be enjoying your, your I called it a new lease of life. Uh, <laughs> you get Huddersfield, first of all, Huddersfield, first of all, you know, they're, they're, they're in a, a rich vein of form at the moment. Congratulations on the weekend. How did that go? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, obviously, something we've, we've been pinpointing. Um, so, there's only two trophies up up for grabs in the year. And like you said, we're, we're 80 minutes away from... It's a Tottenham final this year, isn't it? It's not Wembley, is it? Obviously, keep forgetting. Um, so, yeah, but we've got a few Super League games to get to then. But, no, there's a little bit of a buzz around, around the boys and we're, we're building some up there. Um, and it's good, I'm enjoying it. So, yeah, everyone says new lease of life. Can you get a new lease of life at 34? <laughs> not sure you can. <laughs> uh, but, no, I'm enjoying it, mate. It's, it's something different. I'm out of my comfort zone. It's... To travel 40 minutes, which I didn't know I would go, I'll be honest. I didn't know I would handle it. Um, but I love it. Um, love a bit of time on my own in the morning, a bit of space. Um, but no, it's it's good. Uh, obviously it made it a little bit easier. I know Watto really well. Yes, <laughs> pretty pretty sad. I played with Watto at least, so <laughs> that's a that's going that. I mean, talk about aging yourself, <laughs> Well, yeah, <laughs> I know that. Well, it reminds me every day when he walks in, but yeah. So it, it, I had that relationship anyway with Watto, which made it a lot easier going to going to Huddersfield. And no, so we're reaping the rewards now. Uh, well, yeah, we'll come on to you. Let, let's talk a little bit about Huddersfield. And actually, you mentioned Ian Watson, so let's talk about him. I had a had a catch up last week with Earl Crabtree, who was singing your praises as a as a you know a, a prop, a very good prop, very yeah. good prop himself in his in his pomp. Um, but he was also singing the praises of. Of Ian Watson, you know, the, the work he is doing there, kind of like an unsung hero, if you like. He, he did a great job at Salford. He's coming here, kind of unfancied under the radar, and he's got you clicking. I don't know what he's doing, but um, he, he must have he has a lot made, of yeah. He's very rugby orientated, Watto. On his days off, he'll still go watching. I know he went watching the lads who played at Halifax on Dual Reg, and he said he took his daughters up there, which I bet they were made up with on a Sunday afternoon raining in Halifax. Uh, so he's very rugby orientated and, and that's what that's where he gets and he's got the passion for it. Um, he loves everything about, about rugby league. Um, and it, it, that's what comes across. Um, he's one of them, one of them blokes who yeah, he just lives and breathes rugby. Um, 
and I don't know there's many of them knocking around still. Um, but yeah, he just he just gets you playing for him. He's, he's sort of, like I said, the, the the team he's building. Like last year, I don't think he had the team he, he would have fully wanted, um, and I don't think they fully bought into the way he wanted to play. And, and this year, he's very direct on on the way we, he wants us playing, and there's there's no other. He'll tweak it here and there, but he he knows the way he wants to play, and, and then the lads are bought into it. How does he compare to to other coaches you've worked under? That's probably a really difficult, perhaps unfair question. You've you've played under a lot of coaches, but you know how, how does he how does he square up? You know what oh, kind of coach? He, he's brilliant, mate. Like I say, the, his rugby knowledge. Uh, so playing with him, uh, he always had a little small man syndrome and takes it into coaching with him a little bit, um, so he can get angry at times, but. No, he's really direct. Like I said before, like he knows it, knows rugby league inside out, um, knows other teams inside out, which it makes it a lot easier for our arse and, and our plan going forward. Um, but yeah, he's up there definitely. He's definitely one of the, one of the best coaches. He just says it how it is. And lads like him for that. Um, he's straight down the line, and he knows you know what you want from him, um, and he'll, he'll get it out of you. Um, but yeah, he's definitely up there. He's worked. With some of obviously he did did Great Britain with with uh, Wayne, so he, yeah, I think he picked and chewed his ear off quite a bit. Um, mostly one of the best, one of the best has ever been Wayne. Um, so knowing I can, if you do obviously, I said I said previous me, uh, I, I was very surprised that uh, Warrington didn't go for him. I'm very surprised. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll talk about Warrington perhaps a, a little later on, but just one more on 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 Watson. You know, there is a lot of talk at the coaches about coaches at the moment and, you know, Warrington struggling. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Leeds are struggling. They don't even have a coach. And no one really mentions the name of Ian Watson. And I don't know why, because he's, he's, he's done it. Everywhere he's been, he's done it. He's done it, yeah. And probably on a lower budget to yeah. a lot of other places as well. A um, little bit probably more what his feeling he had at Salford. But again, at Salford, grand final, challenge cup final. You know what I mean? They were they were there thereabouts all the time, and yeah, he, he's a coach. What may always go under the radar. But I hope he doesn't. I hope he does go and reach full potential. Whether it's over here or NRL, I'd like. To, I'd love him to see him have a gig over there. Um, but yeah, you always get them. You get them in in playing as well, don't you? you get the young sun heroes in a playing sense as well, and never really get the line like they should. Um, I just thought that's not the case with Watto. I really do. Um, in terms of Huddersfield, I don't know what you expected when you signed for them, but maybe you can tell me. But have you been surprised by what's how well this season's gone so far? Not at all. No, when I signed, when I first spoke with Watto, uh, it actually come about. We played Huddersfield at, at HG, um, and I, I tried bang McGilvery, which is probably a stupid thing, shouldn't <laughs> And anyway, it was on a bit of a wrestling tackle. And then he got up and he went, do you fancy coming playing at Huddersfield next year? As I was trying to retreat 10. And I thought, <laughs> well, yeah, well, what's this one on? Like, uh, anyway, so he texted me after and said, oh, Watto's been asking about you. And I thought, oh, I'll get away. So anyway, that's where it started. Um, but no, not at all. When I spoke with Watto and, and the kind of people he, he were talking about coming in. Um, so yeah, I knew Yates was up there, which is good. And then obviously Jez was up there. So they had a core of good players anyway. A few they needed to get rid of, uh, which which obviously he did. Uh, got rid of them. Um, and then obviously T.O. was coming in. Um, but yeah, 
and obviously Danny Levi as well. So I knew that some of the signings that they were they were after bringing in. Um, when he mentioned T.O., I was like, this one's just having me on and just trying to get me over there. What I thought that was an absolute genius stroke by Watto. Absolute genius to get him over. Um, and it shows obviously the way the way he marches around in games. But no, I'm not surprised at all. I knew from pre-season we'd have a little bit about us. And again, are we one of them clubs who people don't think of? Possibly, but it'll um, it'll come to sting a few few people as it has already. Um, but no, I'm loving my time. Um, the lads are a, a great bunch of lads, um, and we just work hard for each other. And that's what we base everything on. Uh, what about your form then? Uh, I don't know how comfortable you are talking about yourself and how well you're playing, but you know, if, if you look at the stats, you're, you're up there with with any prop in in Super League. Does it feel like you're playing well? As long as teams winning, I'm not bothered. That's I'm one of them. I'm, I'm not. I'll focus on my own game if I'm doing bad. If I'm doing good, I'll I'll make sure it's for the team. As simple as that. Um, people saying in people's England recall and all that that'll take care of itself. That. Um, but I just want to concentrate on Huddersfield. People saying was it a new lease of life? I don't know. I just I'm just enjoying my rugby again. I'm just enjoying my rugby again and. I've, I've looked back and loved every minute at Warrington, but you're living in the bubble. I only went in for a coffee into the new market this morning, and I reckon I was in there five minutes and five people asked me about Uddersfield or going back Warrington. So you sort of living. So I understand. I didn't really understand that when I played at Warrington. You're living in the bubble constantly, um, and it's nice travelling over there and then travelling back here. You're out of you're out of it really. Um, but no, it's it's something I didn't really didn't really think of, um, and I think that's I think that's helped me with my game. I'll be honest. Uh, I will ask you a couple of England because I think I've probably started that story by writing that <laughs> writing that. But basically, I'll, I'll pass you that twenty quid then. <laughs> no, basically, what happened? I had a coffee with with Crabtree last week, and he he started oh, right. he started singing your praises, and he's got to, he's got to be back in England. What he has to be. <laughs> so, I you know I wrote wrote up a story to that effect, and. You know, and then and Watson was asked about it, wasn't he, at the weekend? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he absolutely should be back. <laughs> um, I mean, is, is it something... And I, I had to check with someone, actually. Did, did Chris Hill retire from, from England or was he just left out? But you're, you're, you're still available, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll never retire from England. Right. Uh, that summer. And that was always summer from... Remember we had a, a shirt presentation and Adrian Mauler come in. Uh, many, many years. It might have been 2013, 14. So not, I'd not played many then. And he did the presentation in it. He always stuck with me and he always said, he said, I'll never retire from international. I'd always put my hand up. Um, no matter how old, you know what I mean? You never... So he's summit, he's summit there. Um, we'll see how we're travelling. If selected, back end of the year, you know what I mean? I'm 34. Body needs a rest. I've done eight, nine years constantly of internationals, back into Super League, back into, you know... So we'd say, I'll say, I'll say, but like you say, as long as my me, me, me club form's on point, then that's all I can do. Um, but no, I've ne- I'll never I'll never retire from international. Uh, you, you mentioned Sean Wayne. I think, what did he say? He's one of the great, you know, he's one of the great coaches we have. Uh, has he has he talked to you at all when he left you out? Did he call no, no, you? I'm not. Spoke. Last time I spoke with him uh, was regarding the French test uh, at the end of last year. Um and he, he mentioned about me playing, but I just weren't in the... My, my body weren't right. I'd been injecting my sternum for 
five to six weeks prior. Um, so I just said to Sean, I was up front and said, obviously, if it was New Zealand, Australia, it's a different, it's a different matter for a one-off game against no disrespect to France um, and, and the test. But, but for a one-off game, the lead up to the camp, I just, I just wouldn't want to do it. Um, like you say, different scenario if it's uh, Aussies or New Zealand, it's a different kettle of fish. But no, and that's last time, that's literally last time I spoke to him. Uh, just one last one on that, and then uh, th- then we'll move on. Then, it, like you know, if 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 it turns out you, you you're not you're not back uh, in Wayne's thinking, I mean, it's there's a lot of good props there, right? There's some we've got oh, some really oh. we've got some really good prop forwards in England. And like, who do who do you look at at the moment in Super League and think, wow, they are they are standout performers? You got to look big. Al's always there, isn't he? You know. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does it week in, week out. Al, uh, obviously playing with him before, you know what he, you know what you get from Al. Uh, you've got some young lads coming through. We've got a couple of ours, young Matt English, Oliver Wilson, you know what I mean? We've got some good young talent up there. Um, obviously, Matty Lees. Um, I, I really I really do rate Matty Lees. Obviously, Coops, still going strong. Joe Philbin, I know the form's dipped a little bit, but that's only temporary, That, that that'll come... That'll, that'll go away and they'll, they'll get the form back. So there's a lot of good English talent pack-wise. Um, I can mix it with them, but end of the day, if, if it feels like a more youthful team going into a World Cup, I fully fully understand it. Uh, what do you think of Aledski at Leeds? I talked to talked to Barry McDermott. He just raves about him every time, he's, every time he watches him. He's brilliant, mate. He's really good. He's come on leaps and bounds, obviously. Uh, when, I first, when he first started, obviously coming through the system and on the bench and stuff, but he, he's just took to it. Um, he's probably ahead of his time, really, for a front roller. Uh, but, yeah, he's got, an, he's got an engine, which which really helps now, with obviously dropping subs, etc. And the, the game's a lot quicker than it was. Um, so, no, unbelievable. Um, like I said, they've got, they've got strength in depth, as you, you'll probably see in this, this mid-season test um, coming up. Um, so, no, it's... England rugby league's in a good good place. Um, just it needs to be a lot more hype around it, I think. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's we could, we could spend another hour talking about that. That's always been a problem as long as we've both been involved in the game, hasn't it? Maybe that's a discussion that we, we've had before, so we won't go there. Uh, just one thing you just mentioned about how the game has changed. Uh, got to ask you how you found this year. Well, I mean, it seems to have settled down a bit. At the start of the year, with everyone getting yellow or red carded left, right, and centre, what <laughs> did that affect you? Your game? Thinking, hang on a minute. I can't even get involved. Yeah, it does. It takes a little bit of... It's a contact sport, isn't it? We understand that as, as players, especially in the pack. You know what I mean? You're going to crack one, aren't you? And I said it on BBC. I had an interview with Tanya Arnold after... Uh, might have been Salford game, maybe. Um, a place in that... No, I'll tell you what. It was Cass. It was Castleford. Because one of our... Danny Levi got simbined. Uh, and then one of theirs did as well. And I said on there, I said... A little bit of play acting's coming to the sport. Um, staying down, looking for that penalty. And then obviously if it's on TV, they're looking at the screen, the, the, the referees. And then that just needs to go that. That's but by people getting simbin and sent off for mediocre challenges. That's what it's that's what it's causing. And that's not what our game's about. It's not why people start and people play rugby. As kids as well, my lads, 
player, you know what I mean? That's not what it's about, play acting. You see it at football, I see it at my lad's eldest football and rolling around and that. Let's not bring that into rugby league because that, there's no part for that. Um, I think it has been slowly sort of try getting even keel, which I understand we've got to make it safer regarding the heads, head knocks. The protocols have come in with missing. You're, going to, you're guaranteed to miss the week after now, which I think is, is spot on. Um, and the way they bring you back, I think there's you've got to be cautious because you've got a future after rugby league. Um, but I think we've got to find a happy medium with, with this contact and reckless and... Thing people people can't just disappear out of tackles, and that's got to use a little bit of common sense in that ground. Uh, well, life after league is is where we'll probably end up in a few minutes' time. We'll, we'll we'll finish off with kind of life beyond league and things you've learned and what you're going to do with the rest of your life in a sec. But um, let's talk about Warrington for a couple of minutes. You mentioned the, the wire bubble already. Um, when you left, how how hard was that? Um, people ask me this. Um, for the for the for the lads, obviously, I'm really close to Coop, Steph. Uh, hard as a decision for myself wasn't hard. I'd made that decision early on in that year that it was obviously a new price you were leaving at the end of the year. Um, obviously, Hendo and Brazy was going as well. There's a big turnaround in, in players, and I just thought my time's right. Um, I need something new now at this stage of my career. Um, so you could have stayed. You could have stayed. It was it was your shout to go, right? Yeah, they, they offered me a year. Right, they offered me a year. Um, obviously, at my age as well, others uh, fields took the gamble on two years, which uh, I, that's what that's what I said to to Fitzy, um and Daryl. And I think he has a policy of a certain age. He only offers a year, which is entirely up to him. Uh, that's that's his that's his decision. Um, but I knew in my head. I, I wanted I wanted a fresh start, something different, um, and yeah, I have no regrets at all. Yeah, the, the reason I ask you how, how tough it was, I mean, I, I did one of these interviews with, with Lee Breers pretty much right at the time he he'd been told he he was off, and he said he said the whole meeting basically lasted two minutes, and he was really emotional actually. I, you know, he, he he had a few tears on the call, and it just made me think. You know, when you are somewhere that long, you, you were there a long time. Breers was club legend, but there a long time. Regardless of the circumstances surrounding your departure, that's a big thing to process in your life. Change. It's a massive thing. It's a massive thing, mate. But uh, my kids still got bed with Wolfie toy. That's how <laughs> you know what I mean. That's how it, they'll still put the warranty shirts on. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not so much just leaving. Um, my little and asked my little girl asked me when Wolfie's mascot at, at Huddersfield. She just doesn't get the concept that it's a different. You know, so it's a massive part of your life. It is, um, but I needed that change. Um, it's a different club from when I started. Um, things have changed, personnel have changed, um, and I, I just wanted something different. Have you been surprised by their struggles this season? I have, yeah, yeah. With some of the buys they brought in, obviously Oggy Holmes and and, and Peter Matetia, I thought. But um, it's, again. <laughs> So Pell's only just come in. He might need to tweak and change a thing exactly like Watto last year. There might be players not wanting to play systems or whatever. Um, so we might need 18 months to, to, to switch it around. It's not just going to come overnight. Um, 
But I think they'll, they'll not be long. There'll be a bounce back at some at some point. They, they, they've got well, they've got a team full of internationals, aren't they? The quality. Um, and yeah, it does hurt that they're, that they're struggling um, for more for my good friends. Mm. Um, obviously, just not when they play us. Yeah, you'll. I was going to say you'll know as a player what it's like being there when you're oh, struggling. Been there, yeah, yeah, they'll uh, they'll be finding it pretty pretty tricky. This I don't it's know. If hard, you... like, like I said before, and you're in the white, you're in the bubble in Warrington. You know what I mean? And they're very passionate fans. Um, and a lot of and Warrington is Warrington Wolves, you know what I mean? That is the thing they've got in Warrington. Um, so anywhere you go, especially when you're not doing well, whether you're having a brew with your mate or a meal with your missus, it's, it's, it can be tough um, and it does weigh down on you. I I, I totally get that with, with some of the boys, definitely. Uh, let's spend the last couple of minutes then talking about life after league. You know, you, you've come in and hopped on this call with me after a busy day's work doing your, your plumbing business. Uh, is, is that your future? Maybe not Not on tools, I don't think. I've not been on tools. So don't get that. Don't we? Don't put that in. Um, I've just been doing, quoting up some jobs this morning. Um, yeah, we've been going about seven years now. Um, we've got an apprentice. We're going to take another apprentice on September time. So, yeah, we're growing. We're growing. Um, it's something I enjoy doing. Um, I love going out there. One of my customers this morning was a big Warrington fan, so you, you get a lot. Right? I get down and sat down and I get in the race and we have a cup of tea and it's an hour and a half later. I've only got measured bathroom up, uh, but no, it's nice. Um, it's nice going out, out and about and I, like I said, doing a normal job because what we do is not normal. Um, you know what I mean? It's definitely not normal, but it grinds you a bit. But I, I enjoy doing it. I, I do love it. It's it helps me with my rugby because I can break away from rugby, thinking about it, overthinking it, um, and get on with my work and then go back to rugby tomorrow when I'm training. And how did you get involved with uh, with an old mate of mine and you and Thomas? Because he's involved oh, in it. Albeit I haven't seen him for ages, but you know we used to hang out a fair bit. And then I, I read he's involved. He's Yeah, he was in with the showroom. Yeah, he hasn't actually in with it anymore. He got yeah, oh, he, oh, he has it, right. Yeah, someone else is in with it. Yeah, but he he come through another another friend of ours. Yeah, he's a good lad, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Really yeah, he's got a few stories. Yeah. Yeah, he has, yeah, a few. <laughs> Mostly involving himself, I would say. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So how, how long are you gonna play on? Are you gonna be one of these that you're just gonna peel off are you gonna are you gonna let the legend go gracefully or are you gonna just gonna keep going as long as the body will let you no no um i've always said if, if i don't feel like i'm i'll, I'll happily just walk away I'm, I'm i don't want to just keep taking because end of the day i'm taking someone else's maybe a young lad spot um maybe coming from the championship like i did or something like that so i'll never just keep playing for playing sake uh, i know when the time's right i feel fresh um probably the only thing that covid did for me was probably freshen me up. Um, one of the positives coming out of it, obviously training a bit at home on my own and and then obviously just freshening the bodies up, the shoulders and, and the knees, you know, uh, from the contact side of things. Uh, it made a world of difference. So I'm feeling them rewards now, but I'll see how it, I'll see how it goes. We've got this year and next year at Huddersfield and then I'll be coming up to 36 then, but we'll, we'll see how we are. But at the minute, feeling good. Um, I always like to finish just kind of away from rugby and away from everything and talk a little bit about life and get to know what your outlook is and, you know, what's your 
philosophy on life and how you go about your day to day? You know, what kind of person are you? And usually, <laughs> I switch. I try and switch because obviously you've got to be a bit more serious within in in business. But if you ask any of the boys at Uddersfield, I'm just like one of one of the young lads. I like a like a mess around. I like a prank. Um, but I like enjoying. I enjoying life. Um, and probably from COVID as well, seeing a lot of people, what they've gone through. Um, I spent a lot of time with my kids. Um, and that's a, that's a big thing for me now. Just You never get these days back with, with your kids. Um, I saw a lot of that in COVID and, and the way they struggle, not seeing their mates as well. Um, so I do, I, I like as much as I can. And that's what I'm looking forward to after rugby. They're going watching them on a Saturday, Sunday, when if we're away or whatever, or playing away, and I can't get there. It does it. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm I can be serious uh, with my business, but I do like to switch and have a mess around and bit and be and keep youthful. Um, I am. Um, I like just living every day as it comes. Really, um, I don't know what I'm usually doing day after. Um, I can't remember what I did yesterday. I'm one of them, you know what I mean? But no, just enjoy it. And especially now, I enjoy my rugby. And that, that's probably showing. My dad said that to me the other day. He says, it looks like you're actually enjoying it now. Uh, and there's times where you don't, obviously. That's just life. Um, but no, I'm, I'm back to enjoying my rugby, I think. Uh, a final question then. Having having kind of spent your life immersed in rugby league, are there things that, that league has kind of taught you and built in you that, that has served you well in, in life and has made you the person you are? Yeah, discipline is, is a massive one. Um, especially, the, like I said, my apprentice, just the lackadaisiness of, of some of them and they're all tomorrow will do. And I, I just, sometimes I can't buy that. Um, if they're not 10 minutes early, it, it, it does me head in. But discipline's a massive thing and that's what I'm trying and my kids are in sport and that's what I try and drill into my kids. I think it's a, it's a great tool to take into any walk of life. Uh, if you're disciplined in what you're doing and, and work hard and work hard. I think hard work gets you everywhere. I weren't the most blessed with, with talent. I know I've always said that I knew many, many people, um, friends and, and that who were miles better than me at rugby, but they just didn't, they just didn't have that little, that 5% of, Effort, what what I used to put in. I used to go running. I used to go running with my dad. Boxing day, Christmas day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. You know when you're having a drink. So I think that's definitely taught me something. If you work hard, you get your rewards, and, and thankfully I have. Uh, Chris, you've been a great guest. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for your time. No problem at all, George. Uh, that's Chris Hill on the big interview, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.